Welcome everyone to episode two of Dialogue, Not Division. This episode is titled Inauguration, Conflict, and Fence-Sitting. First, I want to go ahead and start with the day this is recorded is Inauguration Day of the Biden and Harris administration. So today marks their first day as president. So I just wanted to wish them luck in the presidency. I think that everyone here wants what's best for the people of America and people in general. And we want them to make good decisions and just wish them luck. For those of you that are uh, out there trending the not my president uh, hashtag on uh, Twitter or wherever else you're using it, we'll get to that in a little bit. But I did just want to start with uh, wishing them luck, just like I would for any new leader. So the first topic I wanted to bring up is uh, one topic that some people may be concerned about when you uh, when you hear a, a politics podcast that talks about you know empathy and seeing from both sides and something that always wants to be talking about both sides. One thing that I hear a lot, um, not necessarily here in this podcast, but uh, in other places, you will see comments about fence setting or playing both sides or being wishy-washy or something about something like that. I see it all the time on some more popular mainstream, either podcasts, YouTube videos. Most of the time you see lots of harsh attacks at these people and basically what they, they come and say is you got to make up your mind. You got to pick pick a side. So one thing I wanted to say is just because this podcast wants to try to see things from both sides doesn't mean that you can't have a passionate opinion or you can't pick a side. Really what I am wanting from this is to be able to see both sides point of view to understand each other. You can still pick a side. You can still say, I think this is right and that is wrong. But what I do want everyone to do is to realize that reasonable people could be on either side, depending on your values or what you decide and what you think is real or the information you're exposed to. Again, the the real goal of this podcast is to achieve unity. What I'm not saying is unity of thought. We're not all going to agree. We're not going to all be the same. But what we can do is we can just realize that we all want the same thing. We all want uh, America to be a great place. And we do want just a general feeling of unity, but still to have a diversity of opinion and diversity of thought. We can still have very healthy debates. So on that note, the first thing I want to bring up is uh, how not to achieve unity. And this is one of the big things I'm seeing now, and it's... uh, I alluded to it earlier. It's a, I'm going to say it, and this might offend some of you, and that's okay. I ask you to just bear with me for a little bit, but one of the first things is being a sore loser. So we're seeing uh, the trending hashtag again of not my president. I believe this that trended back when uh, Trump was elected, and here we see it again, this time from conservatives. Uh, Again, the not my president, despite him being inaugurated, I see comments uh, online about I won't follow any rule put in by a illegitimate president. So kind of a very similar sentiment to something that we saw four years ago. And what I do want to say is that doesn't do anybody good. And I'd like to think that any of you out there that have kids like I do would try to teach somebody different values if it were a sporting event. I know the stakes are a little bit higher here, but let's say it was a sporting event uh, for me, one of my favorite sports is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Let's say we were in a match and the other opponent won. What we want to teach each other is to be able to go up and say, hey, you know, 
It was a, it was good competing with you. Um, you know, shake the other person's hand. Oftentimes you see bad sportsmanship where people won't go up and shake the other person's hand for one reason or another. Now I understand that many of you on one side are going to say, well, they cheated, they stole, they did this or that. And I, I understand that impression. And you still see that a lot in sports. You, you see that bad blood because you feel like they cheated and they got away with it. But what I would encourage you is still to be that good sportsman or just to be that uh, that good loser still. So even in the context of, let's say, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or what I'll call BJJ, let's say they did cheat or they did something, you brought it to the ref's attention if that's legal in, your, in the, where you're competing at. The ref didn't see it. The ref doesn't do anything to stop it, and the other person still wins. Let's say they did it multiple times. What I would still hope is that you would have the good sportsmanship to still shake the other person's hand and what I wouldn't want to see is you just running off the mats. So what I would just challenge everyone to do is even if you feel like the other side cheated, or if you feel like the other side did something, just recognize that it's still important to lose gracefully, even if you feel like it wasn't fair. That doesn't mean that you can't fight for ways to try to make it more fair. That doesn't mean you can't criticize the process or even criticize something that you saw. You can absolutely go in that sporting event and you know, let the organizers know that you didn't think it was run very well or that you feel that there were improvements to make things more reliable or to, to make things uh, to catch cheating or something like that. You see this a lot in sports with people accusing people of doping, things like that. And it's just, it's not, it's not classy. And it doesn't do the sport good overall. So what I'd ask you to do is you can still criticize the process, but let's not go and be sore losers. Let's not continue trending that hashtag of not my president. Whether you like it or not, Biden is the president. And all we can do is do our best to work together. So that's what I wanted to say uh, about that one. Another thing that you can be a sore loser is name calling. And you're seeing a lot of that as well. You're seeing a lot of uh, names getting thrown around at now the current president. You're seeing a lot of names getting thrown out about the past president. And really, that doesn't help anything at this point. Criticize how they think, what they say, their policies, all you want. But really, there's there's no point in calling people names at this point. You're not going to win any friends. Uh, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna help the process here. So another thing that another way not to achieve unity would be just drawing undue associations to try to paint the other side badly. I talked about this a little bit in our last podcast with the uh, storming of the Capitol and how many in the media and uh, a lot of people tried to paint all conservatives in a bad light. We again saw this this week. Don Winslow released a viral video saying basically or implying that Trump was going to start an army of basically conservative terrorists. That's not how it was quite put. Things like that, in my opinion, aren't helping anything. And it really, the purpose in my mind was just to vilify the other side. And what that video was really trying to do was rally people to rally people to the other side of the argument, uh, the other side of the aisle and really start using tactics that I wouldn't agree with. Another thing how not to achieve unity would just be siding with the masses, or in this case, siding with your political party. So if you are side 100% with either a liberal or conservative party, I would challenge you just to uh, think through each of your stances a little bit. 
And just make sure you're not siding with the party that just because you're part of that party. So I, I find this a lot. I see this a lot on both sides where people just kind of take the stance. They don't necessarily take the time to look into things, to try to understand the perspectives. They hear the talking points from one side and that's what they stick with. And we'll kind of get into some of that, why that happens a little bit later on. But what I'd encourage you to do is not to not to to judge your party stances or judge each issue on its own instead of as part of a larger party issue. I see a lot of this again coming from both sides where when one member of the party doesn't agree with one thing, they call them, you know, a fake a fake conservative, a fake liberal, a fake this or that. Uh, you see it a lot as well all over the place and I don't think that's representative of America or how most people think. There are a lot of people that way, but you know, I, I do know one person, they are very liberal minded and I was surprised to find out that they were very pro gun. And, you know, that surprised me. And that really shouldn't surprise me, because you can absolutely be liberal and pro gun. You can be conservative and be anti gun. You could be many variations of the party, and really that's one of the things I notice is is really we're trying we're getting into tribalism where you know you belong with this this tribe or this this party and you have to believe everything that they believe and you have to believe everything that this side believes and I don't think that's healthy that's just another way of creating division so again all I'm asking you there is if you do 100% align with a specific party just to stop and think or make sure you have in the past stopped and thought through each of the issues just to make sure that you understand both sides and both arguments and do so honestly. Uh, another thing that I'm seeing a lot, and this is, again, this section is how not to achieve unity, is uh, unity on our terms. Or in this case, we're seeing it with the liberals right now have kind of all the branches of government here, uh, except for, I guess, the uh, judicial branch. But, uh, you know, they have all of those. So like, it's time for unity and a lot of what we're seeing is get on board with with what we believe. And if you aren't on board with what we believe and you fight back, that's not unity. And really what when a call for unity, it isn't about my way or the highway or anything like that. Unity really should be listening to both sides, even if your side has the power. So just just note that there was one video that I watched, you know, it was a uh, I think it was like our liberals interested in unity and it's uh, this guy he goes around I think it's New York and he asks liberals you know are are you willing to compromise on this issue this issue and this issue and you know there's no 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 and of course they show three or four different people who don't want to compromise on anything and that's all they show I'd like to think that that was selectively edited and you know they pick the the most extreme cases out of all of the people I don't think necessarily that video does any good in bringing people unity but I do want to bring that up Another way not to achieve unity is deplatforming through manipulative tactics. Deplatforming is a big issue right now, at least to me. Uh, we talked about it a little bit with the deplatforming of Parler. Say what you want about that one. We're seeing a continuation of that this week. So one of the things we saw is uh, AR15.com. In case you don't know, it's a it's a fairly popular gun website they were dropped by their web host for violating policies and weren't provided why so that was that was an interesting thing basically it was it was just dropping because i don't agree with you is what it definitely seemed like i think eventually they told them that that uh, they had violated their, their policies 
uh, around violence or something like that. They didn't give them any specific examples, didn't give them anything they could correct and just basically just drop them. Let them let them kind of disappear from the Internet. Another thing we saw as well, and this is again, this is what I consider manipulative or bad faith tactics is we saw uh, the trace sent out emails to a bunch of supporters of popular gun channels. And they sent out an email implying that these gun channels had, you know, fostered violence or they had, you know, put into these conspiracy theories and asked all of these supporters of the channels if they had reconsidered their position of providing them support. And so really what they're trying to do again is to take the funding from these pro-gun people away and kind of deplatform them indirectly by putting pressure on their on the companies and say what you want and some people will some people may agree with with that tactic I don't and I'd encourage you just to think about if it happened the other way around where if people started putting social pressure on the companies that helped you and let you get your voice out there what you would think you couldn't disagree with the second amendment these people that are pushing the second amendment that are pushing guns you can disagree with that just fine but i would encourage you not to go after or try to manipulate their advertisers into dropping them unless they had direct ties into any of the the violence or the calls for violence which i i will admit i follow quite a few of them and they did not and most of them are not political other than they do push uh, knowledge and information uh, about firearms. So that's just one thing that I'd say that it, that is a conversation you can have about restricting guns or gun control. But I, I would just ask people to not go after people's livelihood like that or try to put pressure on the companies and use these backhanded ways to try to to try to deplatform people or make it so that they don't have a voice. I really think that just makes everything worse. So moving on, uh, another example would be this happened a little bit before. This is uh, before the voting. A bunch of people came out against Chris Parrott because he wasn't attending the uh, political fundraiser for Biden. And because Chris Pratt is widely known to be a Christian, they assumed he was conservative. And basically there was a huge anti-Chris Pratt movement that was going on just because he wasn't going to be at this fundraiser. I would encourage people not to do use those manipulative and kind of bullying tactics. I see that a lot. In this case, uh, what it turns out is Chris Pratt isn't really that political. Um, at least that's what they said. There's no point in putting that kind of pressure on somebody or making those giant assumptions on somebody based off of their particular belief system or their, because they didn't show up to something. I Again, I would just encourage you not to leap to assumptions. So with that as well, I do want to talk about another way not to achieve unity is kind of cancel culture taken to the extreme. You can argue what you want about cancel culture, but the way I'm going to define it is when you're starting to go back and look through somebody's past all the way to the to you know when they were a baby or and and just to try to find something that they said that was that sounded wrong or done something and try to use that to to take them down in their current situation that's kind of what i call cancel culture it's not about somebody that says something bad so they get fired right away it's really about kind of when you're digging through and trying to find something that you can weaponize against somebody i would ask that we not not do that type of thing and that's on both sides so just because 
let's say Biden said something way back in the day, don't go back through and just try to find, you know, when he called uh, when he called troops stupid bastards as a joke or whatever it was. Let's not go way back in time and try to pull something out of context just to make somebody look bad. Uh, it's just not in good taste. So with that, that's that's all of my how not to achieve unity, and I'll go a little bit more into that as well later on. But really, you might wonder, what should we do to achieve unity? Obviously, I'm not an expert in this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna argue that why not use some basic conflict management or resolution rules, whether in the workplace or in a relationship, to help achieve unity. And let's see if we're following those. So I I kind of before this I just googled you know conflict management rules and I came up there came up with a nice list from projectmanagement.com and I think a lot of us can relate to the workplace and conflict management in the worst workplace certainly if you're a manager of any type and uh, this one this one came up with a pretty good list that you can see and you can quite easily see that in politics we don't really follow a lot of these rules so one is uh, define acceptable behavior was their first thing and I think that's a that's a, a good thing to talk about it's a little bit about what I was doing before is I think it's important for us to define what's acceptable behavior you see a lot of uh, both sides, conservatives, they'll they'll sit there and they'll criticize the other side. And then they don't seem to have a line that they're not willing to cross either. They'll go into the calling people old hags or whatever else you want to call them. They'll go into the name calling, just calling people terrible people, things like that. So let's, let's define what's acceptable behavior. Uh, I'll go into that later on in the podcast. Uh, another thing that's going on is that it's rule is don't avoid conflict. So for me, deplatforming violates this. So when you're talking about taking away other people's viewpoints because you don't agree with them, even uh, with that that aren't directly causing violence or directly causing harm, I would argue what you're trying to do is kind of avoid the conflict. You're kind of you're kind of telling people don't talk about it. This happened a lot with the election in my mind as well. We talked about that last time is there was a lot of people that said, you can't talk about this or that's that's 100% false. No evidence. You can't talk about this. If you talk about this, we're going to shadow ban you. We're going to actually ban you. We're going to put something over it. And I think that's really against the best practices of conflict management is people need to feel heard and talking about it does help. Another one is choose a neutral location. This is a, an interesting one if you try to add it to politics, because really we don't have a lot of neutral locations. Uh, you might say Facebook, you might say Twitter. A lot of conservatives would argue that that's a place that isn't neutral and that the left has certain biases that they implement when they go about following their policies. I know Jack Dorsey back a year or two ago did mention, you know, they acknowledge that Twitter does have a left-leaning bias, but that what was important to him was to try to still apply the rules fairly and just acknowledge that there is a bias, but not necessarily in applying the rules. Whether or not you think he's successful is completely different. I would argue that they haven't been very successful, but you're more than welcome to argue differently. So really don't avoid the conflict. So I don't think we should tell people you can't talk about that or try to take away their voice. Instead, let's open up lines of discussion, just like hopefully this podcast is doing now. Another thing that is interesting in there, it talks about starting with a compliment. People talk about the poop sandwiches. You might've heard it as a poop sandwich where you give them a compliment 
and then you you tell them the bad and then you give them a compl- compliment at the end. I'm not talking about that. What I am saying here is if you can't see the good in the other side at all, or if they don't do anything right, perhaps you're a little bit blind. So if you think that the left is all terrible people, or you think the right is all terrible people, odds are you're blind to something. Nobody does everything wrong, and nobody does everything right. So just take a moment before you enter into a dialogue with anybody, and just think about that one, either, especially if it's a friend, something that you know them that they do well, or something where you know, hey, I... You know, you're a really intelligent person. You normally have all the facts. I'd love to have a conversation with you and get your perspective about this. Something like that's much better than jumping in and just saying all Trump supporters are racist or something like that. So moving on, another one you see is don't jump to conclusions. I don't think I need to explain that one, but we both do that quite a bit. Somebody says something or they don't agree with something. So obviously they're racist, a a fascist, excuse me. Uh, something like that. Another one is uh, think opportunistically, not punitively. So really from me, from this, if you wanted to apply this to politics is stop trying to punish the other side. We spend a lot of time trying to make the other side look bad instead of sitting there and trying to come together on a solution. And really, I think that's what's wrong with today's politics or American politics, at least, is we spend way too much time trying to punish the other side or make the other side look bad and not enough time thinking, hey, how could we actually use this to our advantage together? Or what do we agree on? What are some of our common grounds that we could do now? For instance, the latest uh, details of Biden's uh, stimulus or COVID relief plan is, in my mind, a good example of how not to do this. So there's a lot of things in there or the details that was listed out uh, the other day, a day or two ago, that I think a lot of people would agree on. Uh, there was bringing the payments up to, to $2,000. That's great. And then, you know, continuing the raise in unemployment benefits, which again, I think is great because as Biden mentioned, there are a lot of people that are unemployed or that where hours are cut back and at, through no fault of their own. That's nothing they did. Uh, and those policies that were pushed to protect people with the goal to protect people really resulted in that. So they wanted to push something like that. But where I think it really kind of went away from this is Biden put the $15 an hour minimum wage in there. And just thinking about that, I get where he's coming from, but really I think that's a party thing that really put in there. And you know, the conservatives are going to have issues with that $15 an hour minimum wage. They often argue and by they, I mean, conservatives, they often argue the kind of economics 101 says, if you pay somebody that much, you know, uh, that, that what they're going to have to do, you might cause inflation, things like that. I'm not going to go too far into that, but I can tell you that when I was in a state that raised their minimum wage, we, uh, we had to let people go or reduce hours. And that's something that might happen. There is a good argument for a $15 an hour minimum wage. There's a good argument against it. And by putting that in this bill, I think it really focused or put in a big thing that would be a contentious issue in the middle of stuff where there was commonality and I think we could have got a lot of traction. So in my mind, I don't think that was the smartest thing to do. I almost wonder sometimes if it was an intentional thing to uh, to kind of really bog down the process on that bill. Uh, I could be wrong. Perhaps it'll go through better than I think. But something like that to me was just this 
this big ask that they knew would be contentious and a long thing and really draw out the bill. So that's one where really I don't think it was uh, I, I, I kind of think like, it, yeah, that wasn't the best way to work together. We'll put that there. Moving on, there was some other ones, but one was about constructive criticism. And really what that is, is focus your criticism on more things that are constructive or ways that could be improved, not necessarily just calling people names that are offensive names. I already talked about that, so and I won't go into that too much more. And the last was don't intimidate, uh, which again, this was more for an office culture. It was about a manager working to resolve conflict. But I also think it applies to politics is intimidation is not the best tactic to get somebody over to your side or to win somebody or to really create any kind of to resolve any kind of conflict. And what I see, the way I see that is, again, on that really somebody says something wrong and everybody attacks them or they try to manipulate things that they've done or they try to make somebody look bad. To me, the kind of contacting all of these gun social media influencers, sponsors and stuff and trying to imply that they're sponsoring them was sponsoring the Capitol riot riots. To me, that was part of kind of an intimidation tactic. It was a we're going to make you look bad. So I don't think that's conducive to reconciliation or us coming together. So that's that's taken directly from the projectmanagement.com. There are a, a, another great one I found from Help Guide, and it went through the uh, healthy responses to conflict and uh, unhealthy responses to conflict. And I thought this one was another great example of how we do politics badly. This one was more for people in relationships, but... Some of the unhealthy responses to conflict is an inability to recognize and respond to the things that matter to the other person. And this is one of the biggest things I see in politics is we don't acknowledge that we sometimes or that sides have different values and, and different things matter to the different people. And we and we really don't take the time to empathize, empathize, excuse me, with somebody else with a different viewpoint and instead result to calling them names. Another unhealthy response to conflict is explosive, angry, hurtful, and resentful reactions. I see tons of resentful reactions all over the place when really what we should be doing is calm, non-defensive, and respectful reactions. And I would challenge everybody out there, including me, because I don't always take criticism as well as I should, to just try to aim to be calm, non-defensive, and just respectful of other people, even if they disagree. Another unhealthy response is the withdrawal of love resulting in rejection, isolation. The biggest one I see, shaming and fear of abandonment. Uh, so one of the biggest things I see, one of the biggest tactics is really trying to shame people. If they don't agree with you, then obviously, and you take it to an extreme of some kind. So let's not use that tactic. That shaming tactic is just it's way too prevalent. I'll give you a kind of an example of this. One of the things that I saw on social media was somebody basically said they criticized Trump supporters for not having violence over the MLK weekend because and called them cowards because once they see that there are consequences for their actions, they're too cowardly to cause issues again. And well, I think that was well-meaning. Somebody fortunately did pop in there and, and uh, mentioned in there that hey, I don't know if we should be criticizing people for not being violent. Um, really, what you're doing there is trying to, again, shame everybody. And it really wasn't a constructive thing to say. We're, we're criticizing people for not being violent. 
Now they're cowardly if they don't act violently. So again, that's really right there. Just trying to shame people, trying to trying to get into fear and just calling people names. Really, I think that we should have just a readiness to forgive and forget and move past conflict. In politics, I wouldn't necessarily say we have to forget. I think it's important not to forget. But to be able to move past disagreements is an important thing. And really to be able to forgive people and recognize that people can make mistakes and that they can also change. Another unhealthy response to conflict is the inability to compromise or see the other person's side. And of course, that's kind of what this whole podcast is about. But we see it time and time again on both sides is one side doesn't want to compromise or the other side doesn't want to compromise or we do things and we we make small compromises, but we make sure we leave something big in there that we know will be an issue for the other side. That way we can blame them of not compromising. Um, We see this time and time again in politics as they try to, you know, add little things into bills and try to go back and forth and make the other side look really bad for not supporting a bill. So just again, let's let's always focus on the ability to compromise. I do recognize there are times when there are certain things where you maybe you can't compromise or where maybe somebody feels like all you've been doing is compromising. So it's that that kind of maybe the slippery slope where we take away you take away something a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more. Uh, I do recognize that there is a point where maybe Maybe you feel like compromise isn't working, but I would still encourage people to still look for a way that you could compromise and see if both sides could be happy once all the facts are out on the table. And then one of the the last unhealthy responses to conflict, I'll say, is, you know, feeling fearful or avoiding conflict again or expecting a bad outcome. I'm sometimes guilty of this one, especially before this podcast, is I would avoid saying anything, let's say, on Facebook. So if someone comes with an extreme or just inaccurate piece of information about one side or the other. And I, you know, I'm going to sit here and not say, I'm not going to respond because, you know, they might get mad or because other people might gang up on me and, you know, in the comments or other people might, might know what I'm saying, or really try to give people the benefit of the doubt, not expect a bad outcome. So don't just, you know, don't be afraid of opening a conversation for a little bit. If it's the appropriate time, A lot of places don't want you to talk politics at work, and that's probably not always the best place to talk there, so that might not be the best time. But at the same time, don't always avoid some healthy conflict, but do recognize that there is a spot where you might have to back out of that conversation and be willing to do that. Don't get so stuck in a conversation that you're not willing to, to, you know, just say, hey, let's end this conversation here. So really, that was that was the list that I found on that, and I'll link it in the description here. It came from help, helpguide.org, and it's just a it's an article called Conflict Resolution Skills. Overall, I thought it was interesting that chart from there about the healthy versus unhealthy, and really, I saw how much of this advice, conflict management advice, that we don't apply to politics when I really think we should. We really neglect those basics, and we do normally the exact opposite. And by we, I mean both sides. And really, that's, again, why I started this podcast is I think it's time to bring some of that back in there. So with that said, one of the things I mentioned earlier was to kind of set set some rules or what's acceptable behavior. So for this podcast, and I would encourage many of you to 
set similar rules for yourself when talking about politics, talking online about politics is let's not resort to name calling unless it's satire for comedy's sake. There is a lot of room for it to be funny by name calling. And, you know, there's both sides. Politicians can be funny. So I'm okay if you're name calling just to get a laugh. But if you're just name calling them really to to hate or to kind of spew bile on somebody, let's let's just resolve that that's not acceptable behavior. Just remember that's not healthy. And when you do see it, I encourage everyone to listen to political podcasts, preferably from both sides, um, to listen to the news, to listen to these things and stay stay up to date. Just take a moment and filter some of that name calling and really the negative talk out of the message and try to look at the things based off of the facts and what they're trying to understand and really, really kind of take that emotionally charged aspect out of it that's designed to to polarize people out of it. Uh, next one that I have, the, my second rule for political discourse would be listen to understand, not to respond. And that's another pretty common thing we, use, we might hear with couples is listen to understand where the other person's coming from. If they're talking, don't sit there and you go, oh man, I saw the perfect statistic to refute that. I can't wait to talk about that as they're talking. And you, you kind of, sometimes you have the tendency to phase out and not pay any attention or not really try to understand where they're coming from. If both sides are doing that, you're not going to get anywhere. Another one, I've said it a billion times, assume good intent. I'll put a little caveat there unless there is direct evidence otherwise. There are some people that might have bad intent. I would encourage you just not to engage in much conversation with them. You can normally tell fairly quickly if you're in a political conversation and somebody has bad intent, as they, if they're trying to trap you and do all of that, I would encourage you to take an effort to try to say, hey, I'd, I'm really trying to understand your point of view. I, I would love it if, you would, if we could listen and just consider each other's. And if they're not willing to do that, if they are just really trying to manipulate you, I would encourage you to just jump out of that conversation and realize you might not get anywhere unless you're in the middle of a, an actual political debate on a debate stage. So when that's a different story. Uh, my third, actually fourth rule here is just don't be afraid to acknowledge your gaps in knowledge. There are many things that we don't know. There are many things that others don't know. Nobody, nobody is an expert that knows it all. Even if you're an expert, there are things you haven't read. There are things you don't understand. And it's okay if you're having an actual discussion to say, I'm not aware of that. I would love to look into that more. Just don't be afraid of that. There's nothing wrong with that. And that just shows somebody that's open-minded and willing to learn. Moving on, always be cognizant of the confirmation bias. So if you don't know what a confirmation bias is, it is your brain is more likely to believe things that are true that uh, back up things that you already believe. So if you believe that the election was stolen and you see an article that implies the election was stolen or something like that, your your brain will more likely think that's credible and kind of the opposite is true as well. If you see another one that says no evidence, your brain's more likely to reject that. Our brains really do have a tendency to just confirm what we already think we know. And it's something that everyone does, whether whether they know it or not. It's a biasy that we all have and just be cognizant of it. And just think as you're reading that article and something goes on and you're like, is this really credible? Is this something? Look into some of that. If something sounds 
you know, really too good to be true, look into it a little, a little bit. I encourage you to look into it. And the, the same thing can be said for the other way. Sometimes you'll be reading an article and it, it works the other way where you just feel like, oh, this can't be right. This can't be right. There's no way this is right. And then you want to stop reading that article. Take a moment and research and see if it's right. And if it is right, continue moving on. So just again, just be aware that our brains have that tendency to confirm what we already know. And this is seen in when people talk about those echo chambers where people just listen to people that believe the same way they do. And I really think social media makes this worse. A lot of algorithms make this worse. If you go on YouTube and you, you know, you watch one video about a topic, a lot of times you'll see that same type of topic over and over again. And even sometimes when you search, after you watch a few videos, if you search for the alternate point of view, a lot of times you'll still kind of see that same point of view. At least I see it in the algorithm. And so just be cognizant of that and try to seek out that opposing point of view or the facts and evidence on the other side, especially if it's a very divisive issue. And then another one for me, this one's a little bit harder for me. If you're part of the Enneagram or if you buy into that, which I highly recommend, uh, I'm a five. I'm not normally ruled too much by feelings and emotions, especially in a debate. It's still important to acknowledge other people's feelings and emotions. While feelings and emotions don't make you correct, that's still an important part of having a dialogue. If you buy into the Enneagram, one thing that you do is they'll talk about each of the, the different types and the, some of their fears and how that plays into how they interact with others. It's a, it's a really good system and a really good way to think about how different people communicate and the pros and cons and how they think. One thing you'll notice is everyone has certain fears and the different fears is how they relate. And what I'd encourage you to do is recognize that emotions, while they aren't facts, still play a role in how people think. And what you don't want to do is make somebody feel like they can't feel the way they feel. Even if the way they feel may not be supported by the facts and evidence in your opinion, I wouldn't directly attack how they feel or try to invalidate their feeling. I would recognize that the way they're feeling still could be valid and still try to take them seriously and understand that and have that empathy that oftentimes a lot of people don't have. Uh, really, feelings and fears do play a role in everyone's decision making, whether you think so or not. At least that's my stance. Moving on, don't make winning the only goal. That is one of the biggest things that I really wish people would understand when talking about those contentious issues of the day with politics. Don't make your ultimate goal or the thing that has to be done from that conversation is you won the other person over to your side. What you can do, what is a perfectly good goal to have is just if both sides understand where the other person is coming from, you've came towards the goal of unity. So for me, I like to make understanding the goal, but not necessarily agreement, which kind of ties into my last one is it's okay to disagree as long as you recognize that reasonable people can disagree. There are certain topics where I don't think a reasonable person could disagree so, you know, for instance, murder is wrong. If you believe in murdering, you're not going to convince me otherwise. It's not, I don't think it's reasonable to uh, think that murdering is okay. So some of those, I wouldn't say that is, but for almost everything that's really divided, those issues, reasonable people can disagree. So again, 
I encourage you to look at that and not make winning your goal and remembering it's okay to disagree. There's a certain point in a topic where you could say, hey, I understand where you're coming from. I don't think you're right, but I understand where you're coming from and hopefully you understand where I'm coming from. And then the two of you can shake your hands, shake each other's hand and still have respect for each other and disagree. And that's perfectly fine. Those are my rules for political discourse. That's what I'm going to be aiming for in this podcast. That's what I'm going to be aiming for when I talk politics with anybody. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of give a couple examples of some people in the media that I don't think follow this those rules very well. And uh, so I'm going to risk offending quite a few people here, but that's okay. I don't mind. These are some people that I think often show show a lot of the negative things. I'm going to start off with one that I listen to uh, fairly often, and that's Ben Shapiro. Uh, ben Shapiro, in my mind, he's a smart person. Politically, he keeps informed. Uh, I find the biggest one that he falls into is uh, name-calling. Uh, he's very, very negative, makes fun of people, and I don't think that works to bring people together. Uh, a lot of the others I think he, he does okay with, but my biggest criticism of, of him would be the name-calling or the negativity. And so if you do decide to listen to him, I would in, again encourage you to filter out the name-calling and just recognize it for what it is. That doesn't mean you don't have to listen to this person. It doesn't mean anything of that sort. Uh, I also see the same from... Nancy Pelosi, Don Lemon, Stephen Crowder, and Trump a lot of times. Exactly the same thing. So Stephen Crowder's another big one. He's more of a comedian, politician. A lot of you have seen, probably a pretty divisive person. Uh, if you see most of his, or you see his podcast, his is incredibly uh, negative. Although he is trying to make it uh, comedy. I think it's, in my mind, some of it's funny. Uh, but you got to keep in mind, he's a comedian. And you got to really look at that, the, that name calling and the negativity and, you know, assuming the other side is always wrong. You got to really recognize that for what it is and try not to get caught up in that. And I wouldn't emulate a lot of that in that show. Uh, I'll give you a couple good ones. Steven Crowder and Change My Mind, his Change My Mind series. I used him as an example of a negative. The Change My Mind, for the most part, I think, would be a good example of what I think is fairly healthy way to talk politics. Uh, if you haven't seen those, normally he sits down, you know, he has a table, it's changing my mind, he'll have a hot topic of the day or whatever that, and he'll, he'll invite people, normally random people over to have a discussion about it and normally keep it civil. Uh, for those discussions, there's normally, again, they're random people off the streets. So there's normally no name calling. Normally does a fairly good job of assuming good intent. He doesn't normally berate somebody for not knowing basic things. Sometimes there is some name calling if the other person starts it. Uh, sometimes they get a little crazy. Uh, I don't always agree with how he handles those. But for the most part, that Change My Mind series, I think, is fairly decent. Uh, a lot of people criticize the fact that, you know, he knows the topic. He brings his stats. He's ready. He has all of the counterpoints ready for the points that people commonly make. And, you know, then he gets to debate somebody random off the street, not prepared for it. Some people criticize that segment because they call it uh, unequal power there. And there's, I think there's some truth to that is, you know, he's, he's prepped, you're not. But at the same time, I think if you look at a lot of those, what you can see is for the most part, he's not belittling somebody because they don't know. There's one I saw where he 
flat out said, I'm not familiar with that study. Um, And then the other guy said, you should go check it out. And he said, okay, I will. So I think that's a fairly decent example of what I'd like to see. Um, Another Another one I saw, uh, for instance, I watched a little bit of uh, Russell Brand, the the actor. He has he has a YouTube podcast as well where he talks about people. He did a he did a good one on the the events at the Capitol, the Capitol Hill riots, the invasion, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he did a good one, and even though he's uh, what a lot of people would consider an ultra liberal, he did a really good job of really cutting through the rhetoric and just understanding two different sides, and that you shouldn't judge an entire an, an entire uh thing by what the actions of a few uh for the most part i find him to normally be pretty reasonable and well thought out whether you agree with him or not i i normally like the way he approaches most things when i've seen it i've seen a little little bit of his uh two others i've seen normally do a good job are sam harris and there's another one uh oh american shade by Brittany king uh, I think she does a, a great job as well at normally at least understanding or making an effort to understand the other side. So I think those are some maybe good examples of things that we we should seek to emulate. And instead of always trying to emulate the uh, the first Trump-Biden debate, that was a debate. And too often that mess, if you're not familiar with it, it was a lot of people talking over each other and arguing and some name calling and all of that. Uh, that goodness maybe uh, entertaining for many but chaotic and not (laughs) a lot of people said you know nobody won or lost just other than the american people they lost from that debate Uh, so i would encourage us not to do something like that and to spend a little bit more time just talking with each other and trying to understand each other really that's all i have for today's podcast i've laid out those those kind of ground rules and really really some uh, examples of what i believe we should all emulate hopefully moving forward we can all do things like this in the future i do want to get this podcast a little bit more into the nitty-gritty of uh, policy and things like that so don't expect every single one to be like this more of a for lack of better words, someone called it, a, I think, a sermon almost. Not all of them are going to be like this sermon. They're, we are going to get into other things in the future. We may get into topics such as uh, gun control. I'm sure that's quite likely to come up here in the near future, and I will be looking forward to taking a look at both sides, trying to understand both sides and communicate both sides. And again, it's not about necessarily sitting on that fence. It's making sure we take the time to understand that there are two points of views and that reasonable people can have both points of views. You can think somebody's wrong and still be reasonable. So that is all I have for today's podcast. So I wish you all the best.